Hello and welcome back to the Elevate Music podcast in partnership with Help Musicians. I'm Lucy Heyman and in this podcast I talk to artists and musicians about some of the challenges they face in their work along with leading experts who offer advice and guidance. In this episode we're discussing creativity. The past year has been really tough for musicians creatively and many have found that their usual ways of working have been disrupted. Despite having a lot more free time, many have found that stress levels are not conducive to creating your best work. So with this in mind, we thought we'd take a deep dive into the creative process to help you get curious about what works best for you. To do this, I'll be speaking to three different artists about all aspects of creativity, what it means to them, how they work best and how they overcome creative blocks. Up first is musician, composer and creative practitioner Sarah Freestone. Sarah works predominantly in classical music and holds workshops helping others to access their creativity. After quite a restricted classical education, Sarah tells me that she had to unlearn some of the rules she'd been taught in order to embrace her creativity fully and how this is now her most rewarding work. Here's Sarah. Can you start by telling me a bit about the work that you do? So I do a a big variety of work, I have to say, and probably like most practicing musicians nowadays, lots of different things. So I've got sort of two streams. One is I'm a performer. And with that career, I have a job with an orchestra, the BBC Concert Orchestra. And I freelance with various other institutions like West End, Opera House, National Theatre, that sort of thing. I'm a multi-instrumentalist. So that sort of broadens my horizon a little bit as far as the performing goes. And then the other strand, which I have to say is the most rewarding thing I do is, I guess you call it a creative practitioner, enabling other people to create their own music. So how do you actually do that? How do you enable other people to tap into their creativity? Excellent question. It's a very fluid way of working. For me, the most important thing is when when people approach uh, something creative is to really emphasise the fact that there isn't a correct way and an incorrect way of doing it. Whatever your response to something is, whatever your answer, whatever your idea, it's correct because it's yours. And that, I think, for everyone is quite tricky to grasp because from, you know, young school children to adults to, you know, the elderly, we're very used to something is right or something is wrong. And when someone says, no, it's absolutely fine, you can do what you like, the freedom can be a little bit unsettling. And then once we've got ideas, it could be that people are picking, literally picking numbers, colours, notes, playing around, seeing if there's something they like. They don't know what it is, doesn't matter what it is. We don't know what it's called, really doesn't matter. Do you like it? Great, we'll use it. And then the second stage, which is kind of where I really come in, is is how we organise it, how we build a piece of music. And then that means getting to know the basically the building blocks of, of composition and music and songwriting and, and what it is that makes it all work together and applying those to what, what people come up with. So how did you find that process going from traditional Western classical music? You know, there, there are rules, aren't there? And, and you're brought up to believe, yes, this is right and this is wrong. Can you tell me about the process of yourself discovering that actually anything goes? Absolutely. It's, it's almost alien. I know that sounds odd probably to people who uh, are non-musicians, you think, well, it's just, you're a terribly creative person. Actually, if you're learning an instrument, there's not a huge amount of creativity within it because yes, you're expressing yourself, but within very strict confines of, is it in tune? Is it the right sort of sound? Is it stylistically correct? Are we using the right kind of overall musical language that's correct for that piece? It's very, and if you're playing an ensemble, then that's 
does take away a lot of your what would be your personal creativity in that you have to fit in with what other people are doing as well, uh, especially as a violinist. You've got to fit in with a, a lot of people. So to make that jump from one to the other, it's not usual, I have to say. And I know many of my colleagues in the concert orchestra, we're really lucky. We've got loads of people who love doing this kind of work. And I think the concert orchestra is quite a sort of flexible unit anyway. So I think people are into maybe different types of music and that sort of thing. But the background training, as it were, if you were going to, I went to the Royal Academy, but there was certainly, it wouldn't have crossed anyone's mind that this was a possible way of engaging with audiences or potential uh, music makers. And now, as I say, things have changed a lot. I do quite a lot of work for Trinity Laban and their students are exposed to this way of working throughout their course, really, which is fantastic. But yes, it's one does definitely does not follow the other. Because you mentioned at the beginning, it's incredibly common for musicians now to have this portfolio nature of work. How do you actually you know, prepare yourself for all the different strands of being a musician in terms of you know, the playing, the, the creativity and the writing, but also the, the self-employed aspects of being a musician, having to almost run your own business, know about marketing? You know, can you tell me a bit more about that? I think that's possibly the hardest bit of it, actually. So from my background, I always played more than one instrument. And because uh, I'd studied violin and guitar as joint first studies, so it was classical guitar, but had always played bass in jazz groups or guitar in rock bands or folk, that sort of thing. So the different strands were always there. And I was always, I think, used to as we said just before we kind of came on, on air, we were talking about the different wearing of hats. And actually there's a geographical element to that where you go to a venue and you've got a certain instrument under your arm and, and it's a certain type of venue and you know that's where you are. Online, that all goes out the window. So very often I switch on the computer and think, oh, no idea who I'm supposed to be or what I'm <laughs> supposed to be doing today. But that's sort of, that's manageable. And that's just general diary, time management, that sort of thing. I think once you expand to project work, like creative work, and I'm very lucky in that I, I'm asked to do things, usually from institutions like orchestras or charities that put together projects involving orchestral players, or I'm asked to compose a piece, but using certain school groups, contributions, that sort of thing. So that for me is, is less admin than say someone who is constantly applying for funding and setting up their own projects. But even so, that's still an awful lot of admin. It's a lot of work. And trying to maintain the momentum because some of these are usually long-term as well. So you have to sort of park that one, but keep the, the maintenance going, as it were, with the email contacts and, and keeping people posted and keeping a track of musically what you've done, as well as the admin stuff. That can be really hard because we're not in an office. Being a self-employed person, as, as you know, you, you're always at work. And also with this iPhone business, you know, the, <laughs> the emails don't stop and you've you just got to reply all the time. It can almost be more stressful than the, the doing the work. On a very personal level, do you set goals for what you want to achieve in a year or in three years time? Or do you have a vision of, you know, I would imagine at some point you may have made wanted to make the transition into a more creative role from maybe being a performer full time. Was that how it happened? I would love to say yes. <laughs> I mean, I love the playing and I'm missing the playing enormously. I'm missing the social side, the musical side, the audiences, you know, that buzz. 
but I have to say this, I find the most rewarding thing. And this I know I can do. And I know that I'm good at because I am a composer. I am an arranger. I can manipulate things. And I think I can encourage people to come up with the ideas in the first place. So I've ended up here and I think this is what I'm best at. As far as goals and plans, I'm a single mum and basically I just say yes to everything and try and fit it in. I would love to have goals and plans and to map things out and to make choices. But at the moment, that's not something that's possible. And I know for a lot of people, it's not possible. And we'd all love to be doing more of things that we really love doing or we feel Mm. that that's what our real goal is. But there's also lots of other things that you need to do. You sound incredibly motivated by what you do. Has that motivation been affected at all this year? Yeah, that's interesting. Yes and no. Well, I found that motivation less so because there's always stuff to do. And when lockdown hit, there were things that, you know, as I say, with the if I had the choice, the option of making these choices, I would have done this years ago. I got my head around Pro Tools, which I've been meaning to do for so long. When I say got my head around, I mean the basics. I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a whiz at all. But I got a home studio set up, which is good. I did some writing for the sake of writing, which I never do because I'm always commissioned to do things. So that was weird. So I had things to do motivation-wise. That was brilliant. What did disappear completely was the ability to, I'm kind of welling up just thinking about it now, to listen to music and to respond to music. It was just so devastating to me. So this wonderful outpouring of creativity that happened at the beginning of lockdown and people writing their own things and playing and recording themselves. And it's going to be such a long time, I think, before everyone can enjoy where we were before. On the plus side, there are so many things that are happening that are not geographically limited. You know, so many more people are accessing theatre, are accessing music, are accessing online workshops. You know, they don't have to come to a place where I am. I've had people sort of up and down the country in, in, in one room virtually. That's brilliant. There are lots and lots of pluses. But yeah, I think so. The motivation definitely was still there, but I found the actual creative process, the inspiration, the emotional side of it was was really difficult. What does creativity mean to you? Mm, God, that's a good question. That's really hard. There was a project, an intergenerational project that I did last year, and some of the participants were interviewed. And one of the older uh, participants who'd been there with her son, I think, said how disconcerting it was at first because it was a way that we weren't used to working. And her phrase is, you know, at first we thought, well, we couldn't possibly do that. We could, how, can, how can we write a piece of music? And then she paused and she said, and you know, I think we all have more ideas than we give ourselves credit for. And I thought, that's it. That's exactly it. You've nailed it. So I can't quite describe it, but I think that is exactly it. And then I see it in in life. So anything I've done, so, you know, waitressing or doing a sound desk at some festival or driving a van, all of that, all the skills all add up to who you are later in life. This is me being aged and wise, you know, (laughs) but it does all really, really, really count. It's about having a lack of limitation. We've all got the potential to come up with ideas. And that's really important. And just finally, how do you overcome creative blocks? Lots of research into whatever it is I'm writing about, and that may help. And just having the faith that eventually it does come. 
I went to a workshop with a country and Western singer-songwriter and she was talking, I mean, she was very spiritual about things as well. And she had this lovely image of, she said, she sits down and she just imagines the top of her head opening up <laughs> and all this stuff just either pouring in or pouring out. I thought, oh, I, I kind of get that. It's almost like you've just got to relax and engage another part of your brain. It's in there and it's in here and it's out there. It's just, you've got to, again, pathways and just let it all communicate. And it's very hard when either the pressure's on, actually, I find that easier, but when pressure's on, that can stop you. And also when you've just got so many other things in life mm. to be doing, and you've also got someone saying, can I have the first draft of that? And you go, um, I haven't actually thought of anything yet, but it is all in there. And I was doing a, a, another positive effect of uh, side effect of, of lockdown, the online pub quiz thing. So my <laughs> Thursday nights with my lovely friends and uh, we, we were playing virtual trivial pursuit. We had an old trivial pursuit thing. And the, the question was, uh, what was the surname of Charlie in Charlie and the F Chocolate Factory? And of course I know it, but it had gone. It had completely gone. And I just waited and I waited. And, I, and then it, I could almost feel it crawling up the back of my brain to the front going, <laughs> bucket. Oh, yes, of course, it's bucket. You know. But you, you almost have to trust yourself that it, it is all in there and it's fine. Mm. And don't worry. Try not to stress about it. And it, it will just oh, eventually. That was Sarah Freestone, and if you want to learn more about the work that she does, visit sarahfreestone.com. This episode of the Elevate Music podcast is supported by Help Musicians, an independent charity that has been supporting musicians for nearly 100 years. Through an integrated programme of health and welfare, creative funding opportunities and business support, the charity offers a lifetime of support when it's needed most. For more information on Help Musicians or to find out how to access support, visit helpmusicians.org.uk. Up next is an artist who launched her career on YouTube and has had 129 million views of her videos on there alone. She's collaborated with some of the biggest names in the business and writes beautiful, soulful songs. Here's Dodie on her creative process, the impact of depression on her creativity and how she works best. Can you tell me a bit about your relationship with creativity? Nothing is truly black or white, so I don't think I could sit and say, like, I know myself very well, I know my creativity, like, process very well. This is exactly how I work, because it just changes from year to year, especially this year. I feel like everyone's had to adapt. But I think it's very intertwined with my personal life and my therapy and my processing and, like, diary entries and all kinds of other creative outlets. They all walk alongside me as I grow and... It's super helpful, super useful and beautiful as well to have these things that I've made as chapters in my life, but also can get a little weird when I've written something that I love that is really personal. And I'm like, oh, no, I have to market this now. <laughs> I have to talk about it. But yeah, I think I'm so grateful for it more than anything. I think I'm, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have creativity in my life. What's that process like when you have written something that is very personal and you've got to sell it on a mass level? It's interesting because I love the song, clearly. Like, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't release it, but I never really not release music. I know that sounds strange, but if I've written something, if I've finished it, I'm like, I'm proud of it. Have it. Um, I'll just put it anywhere. But it is interesting, particularly when I'm still probably going through it. Like, I'm still experiencing a lot of the emotions surrounding whatever topic it is. Maybe, like things in my life are still cropping up now and again because all of the themes that I come across like 
clearly are reoccurring just ask my therapist so uh, I have to sort of deal with them like I could be walking to a session where I'm recording a song about something that has been particularly hard that week like maybe that morning I got a call about it and I'm like this is so messed up like I have to go and make music about this thing that is hurting me but in terms of like marketing and like talking about it that can be a little strange but also it's like exercising a muscle in communication you know it's like how how do I set up my boundaries here because I have to and I think for me I've really struggled with having boundaries and and talking not too openly I think I just sort of like used to open my mouth and tell everyone everything which everyone used to love until it got a little too much and then I realized for myself I need to put up some walls and look after myself so yeah it's, it's good practice I would say so you said about how your creativity has kind of changed over time. Can you tell me about what it was like in the early days of making those videos? How, can you see any sort of distinctions between how you work now? Yeah, in those early days, it was so much more like instant gratification because I'd write a song in a day, record it, hopefully get it in, in a take, <laughs> and then upload it and yeah instantly get comments obviously this was after like a while of growing an audience but even then like it would be online and I'd be proud of it whereas yeah nowadays there's a lot more holding on to stuff and even in my songwriting I think yeah I used to sort of sit in a room for a day write something upload it and it would be done 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 whereas now I, I write like a chorus or maybe even a few lines or just a chord progression and I hold on to it I keep it in a notepad or wherever and when I'm feeling stuck which is something I feel quite a lot I'll return to it and and pick my favorite one that is like hitting me in a way that I feel like I can continue on and also I think I used to think that the best song sort of fell out of you because that's how I used to write I was like oh it's not like that anymore and like if you struggle then it's like all mismatched together and, and it's like a Frankenstein's monster of a song and I don't know if that's like as natural rather than like sitting in a feeling and it just coming out. But now I disagree, I think, thankfully, which is probably the better answer, like the healthier one. I think when you stick things together and sit on things for a while and process things, like other things come out. I will say it is also difficult when you start writing a song in a particular mindset and you return to it and you're in a completely different mindset I'm not sure if that's a good idea because now I have a second verse of a song that I wrote just this week that is just in a different mood and I feel like I need to rewrite it but also when I write something it's really hard for me to scratch it and try again so I think that will be it now and I'm like maybe this is just a interesting exploration of all kinds of feelings <laughs> for a while I was quite openly depressed online so when I would write these songs about my mental health or my brain like my audience almost had the backstory and that was pretty cool like so strange like such an interesting creative process and also sometimes difficult when playing live. I wondered if you would be happy to talk about the relationship between depression and creativity and how that affects your work. There is just like an incredible infinity to your mind and when you're depressed, like, the brain sort of, like, tilts into a different part of that. And it truly is, like, a different person, like, in my mind and, like, living my life. And I hate it. It's horrible. But, yeah, it, it's fascinating when writing to look back and see her. In terms of, like, productivity, when I'm in the lie in the dark and not turn on all the lights and I want to die phase, no. 
because I can't find anything to do. And then, yes, I think it gets to a sort of lower hum of it where it might even be a good juicy spot for writing because my mind's swirling and it's helpful to like get all that down. But then I'm not sure if I'd write music when I'm depressed. I write music when I'm sad or like when something is happening or I'm experiencing something and it's like emotions and feelings and sadness or like a breakup or like something that for me is like a shorter, sharper pain or like something that like I can feel is the best place to write in. I love that. So many songs have come out of like, oh, I'm on the edge of a cry song. Sometimes I write lines and just like burst into tears. When I'm depressed, it's an entirely different feeling. I think depression is so much more colder and numbing so right when I'm sad I'm not sure if I write when I'm depressed were you a creative child yes definitely creative and dramatic I learned music theory fairly young so I learned the clarinet and then took all the theory grades as well so that sort of gave me the tools to understand music and apply it I would write songs in my bedroom about really dramatic things or what I thought was like so I remember like writing a song about God called The Wizard in the Sky when I was like 11 (laughs) I was like oh I I know so much more (laughs) than I should at my age and I didn't but yeah I think I had an incredible imagination as well I just felt so much I was just like the most feeling person so I had to go somewhere and I had a camera as well I would just film myself singing as if I was in a music video Were there any sort of creative processes that started as a child in terms of how you engage with creativity generally? Yeah, I think I I learned to write in a feeling from quite young. That's just like a, a thing that I grew up doing and now still do, I suppose. When I was younger and still now, I think I work best when I've been around people. Like I've had a lot of company. I, I work best when I have like dips of alone time, surrounded by people and friends and love. And do you get creative blocks? And how do you overcome them? I think the the whole writing something and keeping it, like whatever you have, like keeping like a backlog of like ideas is so handy. I feel like that's a trick I only learned in the last like year or so. So yeah, that's, that's really helpful. Before I, I had no idea, before I wrote my album, that deadline was coming up and I was like, I have no songs none and I've been in a writing block for so long what am I going to do but thankfully I just took it bit by bit I think it's just the same with anything like start (laughs) just start and don't look at the end I bought a book of similes that a friend of mine had in a session and that was really interesting I think like reading poetry or anything that you're not used to like sort of stretching that metaphor muscle is really really helpful Like, I was looking down the list of similes. I don't even know if this was one or if I made it up afterwards, but it was like, as alone as the moon. And then suddenly you're like... But it really is like a muscle, I think. You have to keep flexing it. I have a friend who does writing sessions all the time, and I did one with him, and he was just, like, pouring out words. I was like, how do you do this? I sit in a corner for ages, and I'm like, everyone shut up. (laughs) I have to think of something. I suppose my top tip is just, like keep a scrapbook of ideas of like half songs that you've written and don't punish yourself if you don't finish something because anything is a nugget that you can hold on to and pick up later depending on what mood you're in what flavor you want and finally what advice would you give to an artist who was just starting out in terms of how to manage a creative career i mean this isn't exactly new advice but it's one that i strongly believe in when people advise that 
you should only listen to yourself. I cannot stand the idea that anyone would say that there has to be a chorus or it has to be over a certain length or this thing. Like, it's, yeah, such a stereotype, but originality is the only thing we have. So keep it, please, please keep it. And it's going to be so hard to push against it, but just, just do it. That was Dodie, and for regular updates on her new music, visit dodie.co. Music is so valuable to all of us, and that's why Help Musicians has, for the last 100 years, been supporting music creators to develop their talent, build their skills, and bring their musical projects to life. Check the Help Musicians website or join their mailing list to see more about how the charity may be able to support you and your music. Finally, I spoke to artist Martha Hill, who was recently awarded a grant by Help Musicians Do It Differently Fund. I first got into music really playing trombone. I grew up on the west coast of Scotland in a little town called Dunoon, and I left to go to Glasgow to study classical trombone. And then the classical world just turned out to not really be for me, so I ended up dropping out. All my cousins live in the northeast and play music. And I met a friend of theirs and she was playing music and she was at college and she hated it. So she dropped out, I dropped out, and we both ended up kind of busking around Europe for forever. Then I came back and when I was busking in Newcastle, this kind of circus procession went past and I'd just learned how to juggle in a squat in Spain. So I was like, man, I want to be in your circus. Uh, So kind of joined, like, you know, started going to this place, Circus Central, juggling and met an accordion player, Rosie, who's in a band called Holy Moly and the Crackers. And they're a northeast kind of touring sort of festival circuit band. And I joined them playing trombone. And that was really my, like introduction into the music industry before then I knew nothing about what a producer or a manager or an agent or any of these things were so that was kind of my introduction really into um kind of doing music a bit more than just playing guitar on my own but I've always written songs and played music and my mum's a pianist we grew up with music so it's kind of always been there It's really interesting to hear you say that you trained with classical trombone and then you've obviously made the jump to singer-songwriter. How did you find the two different approaches to music creatively? I dropped out of classical music at the age of 17. I didn't realise there was such a big creative element to it. Obviously, you can write classical music, but the classical world is so much more structured and theory-based and... That just didn't click with me at the time, for whatever reason. It's now something that I'd like to kind of go back and learn, you know. I'd love to go back and learn piano properly and learn the theory, but I I am much more of an oral learner rather than that kind of academic side of things. And that's why I kind of got away with trombone, because I could just more or less memorise the parts, because there's not as many notes, <laughs> you know. It's not, a fast, it's not a fast instrument. So I kind of would get away with get away with it by just memorizing my parts but yeah just that kind of theory heavy side of things never really clicked with me the freedom of the kind of music I do now you know I can do whatever I want can you tell me a bit more about the music that you write now and the creative process that you go through to get there it's changed quite a lot in the last couple of years actually because it used to be a lot more of like a need of like a kind of outlet But in the last couple of years, my head's just a lot more screwed on and, you know, I'm a lot happier. My life's a lot more stable. So I don't have such like intense need, like emotions and need to get them out through song in the way that I used to. So my process has changed from just basically being emotional and writing a song to having to kind of sit down and actively write stuff because otherwise I just won't because I don't have that 
need anymore. So I guess I just kind of sit down and have a play and I see what comes. I rarely write a whole song in a one these days. I generally will write, you know, I'll catch a verse first or a chorus, but whatever comes tends to come in one go, you know, lyrics and melody in the one of that section and then I'll kind of grow on it from there. So do you record that straight away or do you just have little notes, like voice notes and things? It'll be a voice memo, yeah, yeah. I always wonder what normal people use um, voice memos for on their phones because for musicians, you know, all of mine are like me asleep, like try not to wake my partner up, like whispering a song idea that's just coming to my head or like cycling down the road. Like, yeah, if you listen through to my voice memos, they're very questionable. And do you prefer to write on your own or with others? Collaborative songwriting is something I've literally just started doing. It hadn't really clicked with me before, but I did a songwriting session in London in August and I actually really enjoyed it. And that, again, is its own creative process because, you know, you kind of sit down, you get your kind of inspirations together or whatever, you know, you listen to some stuff on Spotify and then maybe someone will have a chord idea and then the melody will come and then the lyrics come after, which is not the way I, you know, normally for me, the lyrics and the melody come in one. So it's quite, it's actually been really interesting and really fun to kind of, to work collaboratively. And it's something that coming into 2021, I'm going to be doing a lot more of because I really enjoy it. Do you have any systems in place that help you be creative? Like, do you have a certain place that you go or is there like, some people have like a specific like pen that they write with or anything like that? No, nothing too specific like that. I think the songs that I write on guitar and the songs I write on piano are really different. My piano songs end up being pretty dramatic I'm actually in this is a total like side note but I'm, I've just started writing a Dracula musical and I'm like really into that so I'm writing all of that on piano because it's all like super dramatic and the stuff on guitar tends to be a bit different but I like to write with pen or pencil and paper still you know rather than on a computer I like to be able to jot stuff down like that quite easily but other than that how would you define creativity what does it mean to you I've always created stuff I've always like written music and done art and you know made up stories and made up games and you know from childhood through to now like just using my imagination has been a big part of what I do even in the day-to-day walking down the street letting your mind wander you know I'm creating things in my head I think it just is part a part of who I am do you ever get creative blocks yeah yeah I mean we all do especially you know looking at a year like this it's been the least inspirational year <laughs> you know everyone's just been stuck in their house I've not seen any music, I've not seen any art, I've not been around friends, I've not been, like, getting off my face and getting weird, you know, there's been nothing. Like, it's just been me in my house, living my life. I don't really know how I deal with it. I think you just write, just write, even if it's rubbish. I think that's the main thing, is just keep creating. Even if you, you know, if you write 20 bad songs, it's better than not writing anything. I think just... Keeping going even when you're not into what you're doing is a big part of it. I also use RhymeZone a lot. RhymeZone's this like online thing where you just put like, so say I'm writing a song and then I get stuck on the word joke and I want to rhyme something with joke, I'll put it into RhymeZone and it'll give me a bunch of options. And I don't always use them, but sometimes just one word will spark me off. You were a recipient of the Help Musicians Do It Differently Creative Fund. Can you tell me a bit about that process and how it helped you creatively? I was in the process of working on my Summer Up North EP, which I released this year. Kind of the first single was out in June and the EP itself was out in October, I think. It meant that I could really 
delve into things like music videos and getting the artwork and getting the music produced and mixed. So it was really, really helpful in terms of being able to have the funds to create what what it was I wanted to create around the CP. And did you get any creative support with that fund? Not creative. I got industry support. I had a really, really great meeting with a woman, Jessie Sculler, I think. She runs um, a company called Wicksteed Works. It's like a marketing company. And I had some really, really interesting meetings with her about stuff, which was so super helpful. Especially I was in the middle of kind of running a Kickstarter campaign to pre-order merch and stuff. And she was massively helpful with that. So that was amazing to get that kind of mentorship. And what are you looking forward to, like, creatively in the future? I mean, I know you've said that it's been a really tough year, but have you got any sort of creative plans for next year? You know, I've been writing a lot. I'm hoping to get my own studio next year, and I really want to do a lot of songwriting and writing with other people, especially whilst gigs aren't happening. I really want to focus on that side of things and just get as much material together as possible but I'm also really looking forward to taking all of these songs I've made and putting them to the band and you know getting the live show together and getting that side of things going again because I really really miss that. What advice would you give to someone who's starting out and looking to kind of try and actually take control of a creative career? Yeah I would say don't rely on inspiration. When I was younger there was a whole like year and a half where I didn't write any music. You need to kind of take things into your own hands a bit and work on it. It's a skill. The more you put yourself into a creative environment, the more likely you are to create. You know, learn other people's songs, see how other people are doing things. Just go for it. Just write as much as you can. Even if you write 50 bad songs, there might be five in there that work, you know. That was Martha Hill, and you can buy her Summer Up North EP through her website, marthahillmusic.com. Thank you to Sarah, Dodie and Martha for speaking to me. And don't forget, you can find out more about creativity in the episode's show notes. If you'd like to get in touch to share your experiences of creativity, you can email elevatemusicpod at gmail.com or contact us on social media at elevatemusicpod on Twitter and Instagram. You've been listening to the Elevate Music podcast with me, Lucy Heyman. And if you'd like to find out more about my research and work, have a look at lucyheyman.com. This podcast was produced by Elevate Music and Listen Entertainment in partnership with Help Musicians, an independent charity which provides essential and enduring support to make a meaningful difference to the lives of professional musicians. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can visit helpmusicians.org.uk if you need some help. In the meantime, take care and we'll be back with another episode in two weeks.